I'm Daria Rose, and this is The Foodist Podcast, where real people use real food to get healthy and lose weight without dieting. Hello, and welcome to The Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose. Today is another success story, this time with Anne. And Anne's story is special because I know that this is a subject that comes up quite a bit in at Summer Tomato and especially actually in the Mindful Meal Challenge Facebook group. We talk about this a lot and that is food moralizing. So we've had a couple shows now where I have coached someone through getting over food moralizing, but Anne is somebody who was able to do that and as a result, get the benefits of watching how her eating habits completely transformed when she was able to shift this mindset. So this is cool. And also Anne is really, really good at describing what she did in order to make that shift, which is the hardest part. Like by far the hardest part of all this is taking something you believe and changing it, right? I mean, you can't just will that. You can't just say, I want to stop moralizing my food choices and then do it. You have to internalize that message somehow. And that is the elusive part, right? That's what's really hard. And so talking to Anne is fascinating because I, this all happened fairly recently for her and she's able to very succinctly describe what exactly has happened and changed for her in order to make this happen. And one of the reasons I love it so much is because obviously I have made this change. You know, there was a time in my life where I was a massive food moralizer and had all the negative consequences of restricting and restricting and restricting and then binging. But then, you know, so I I write about these things and I write an article and Anne actually brought this up herself. She said she read the article that I wrote about how to eat half a donut and thought I was out of my mind. And I know that she's not alone. I know a lot of people read my stories and the stuff that I write and share here and think, well, that's all well and good for Daria. She's just a different breed of human because clearly she's got this all figured out, but that's not me. I could never do that. And thought that not very long ago. And now is like, I can do it. I can eat half a donut. I totally get it. This is something that I have evolved to understand. So Anne is here to explain to you how she was able to do that. And I think you'll really enjoy it. Also, if you would like to be a guest on the show, I would love to talk to you, whether you want to be coached and talk to me about your health style struggles, or if you would like to share a success story like Anna is doing here today, go to summertomato.com slash podcast and fill out the form there and tell us your story. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Hey, Anne, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to hear your story because it sounds like you have accomplished something that I know a huge number of listeners dream about (laughs) all the time. (laughs) And I did this a very, very long time ago. And so I think that when people hear my story, they think it's almost not real. But (laughs) but that's what I thought. (laughs) You are some special human who is not me. But (laughs) but that's not true. But it's not true. Now, finally, at this point, I believe it. I didn't believe it for a long time. Um, but I, I do. I have, I've gotten to a place where I do believe it. 
this is wonderful. So why don't you give us a sense of where you were when you didn't believe it and the journey that you've gone through since then? So basically, yeah, throughout my, you know, high school through 20s ish time, um, you know, there was just sort of phases of typical Midwest college girl behavior of, um, you know, lots of just lean cuisines during the day, and then followed by lots of drinking at night and eating entire pizzas with your roommates. Mm. And my health and weight would sort of fluctuate, um, you know, throughout the years or kind of depending on the um, Kajoba to lean cuisine ratio, really. <laughs> um, it sort of depended, you know, it's a scientific maybe- term. Exactly. And the other thing is, I was a health education student. So I was somebody who I thought that I was doing the quote healthy things by doing, you know, the counting of your fat grams and I would have it in my head. I'm so healthy. Look at all of this low fat ranch dressing and iceberg lettuce that I'm eating in the dorms and the cafeteria. And look at me. I'm just having this, you know, one granola bar. It only has 90 calories. And then you go out at night and you have lots of beverages and then you eat all of the food you didn't eat all week. So, um, you know, during phases where there is more of the, quote, healthy processed foods, I was maybe a little bit lower on the weight level. And then there would be phases where I would eat way more of, um, you know, all of the things, right? Going out to Jimmy John's and having brunch with all your roomies. And it was... um, really fun. Lots of fun, right? Lots and lots of fun. Um, but there was definitely things, you know, I didn't at that time, I don't think I really knew what like health could feel like. Mm. Um, so I didn't recognize what I was missing. I thought I so common for 20 year olds. I know. And you're, t- and you're, you know, I'm in a health education program and you're learning, learning the food pyramid and you're learning about all these. I'm thinking that I'm doing all the things quote right and totally forgetting about these times when I'm like getting 7-Eleven, um, those coffee drinks with all the different sugary weird powders and maybe it's pumpkin spice and maybe it's French vanilla and all that kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, that was basically my, you know, college years and um, then moved out to Oregon. Um, I live in Portland and started a job and started, you know, real adult life and stuck to mostly the same kind of habits. I never really developed a cooking habit at all. Um, I, you know, kind of started to eat a little bit, you know, gradually more real food, a little bit less processed food. It'd be more like I would go to the Whole Foods hot bar and buy things Mm -hmm. instead of getting lean cuisines, you know, so Mm -hmm. I was a little bit trying to work more towards real food. Throughout this whole time, I hadn't, I was not a weighing myself kind of person. Like I kind of would know how much I weighed when I'd go to the doctor. Um, Occasionally I'd jump on the scale at the gym, but it was generally a thing of like, why would I want to know this information? Um, I didn't feel super comfortable in my body and my skin. I was somebody who I would dress very carefully for my body type, but I also, I, at all these sizes I've been, I've, I've never actually been overweight. Um, As I tell my story, I also recognize that like, Uh, My story is not everybody's story. I want to acknowledge my privilege. I have never lived in a body that society doesn't think is acceptable. Mm -hmm. I've never experienced significant trauma. So all the things that I'm going to say work for me aren't for everybody. We're all different, right? We're all different. And I want to just acknowledge that the transition that I went through you know, it's different for everybody. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. That That's important to keep in mind. Um, but personally, I relate a lot to what you're saying, where there was a time 
it's it's funny, like I am pregnant right now and I just a couple weeks ago passed my highest weight <laughs> in my life, yeah, you know, yeah. and, <laughs> and, um, but at the same time, even then I was, you know, no, nobody would have called me really overweight, but, but I, but it, for me, it was carrying a lot of weight. So, and, and I, you know, I, I lot, you know, I, and it was definitely my least healthy period. I was eating, yeah, same thing, like frozen chicken fingers and lots of burritos and frozen pizzas and stuff. Yeah. yeah. You don't feel good, right? You don't feel well. Um, um, and I had this kind of interesting thing happen to myself where I got very sick. I got the swine flu when I was about 25. Oh, no. Gosh, it was awful. But this interesting side effect happened. Um, well, I, I lost 20 pounds in two weeks. So that wasn't the, oh my that wasn't gosh. the it's not the positive part of the story. But what came from the story was allowing me to establish weighing myself and seeing it truly as a neutral data point of hmm. like, whoa, look at how rapidly I'm losing weight, my poor, poor body. Um, so it wasn't like, good for me, look at me losing weight. Like there wasn't any positive connotation attached to losing weight. Like I didn't have this positive value associated with it, but it was allowing me to check my weight frequently out of genuine curiosity. So it took the emotion out of the scale for you. Exactly. Which is great because that's hard. I mean, it's horrible that you wouldn't do that, but it's, it's difficult for a woman, especially one who's not super comfortable with her body in the moment as a young woman that you can look to, to be able to look at the scale and say, that's just information is, is pretty, it's a pretty hard, it's a hard lesson to get to. It's a hard place to get to. So it's, it's nice that you had that little uh, (laughs) lesson hidden. Yeah. This like hidden gem of this, you know, this horrible experience of having the swine flu is like, well, I made friends with the scale again in like a fine way. Um, but what was interesting is I ended up only gaining about half of it back at that time. Um, and I kind of like maxed out around like Christmas ish time. And then I was already in this, this scale habit and just kind of was able to observe pretty neutrally how my weight would fluctuate throughout the week. I would see, oh, look, I on Monday morning, I've gained three pounds. People don't talk about this. Everybody weighs more on Monday. <laughs> yes, yes. And it, and it becomes a thing that you're you're not then like nervous about it because it's like, well, I know also then by Friday, it'll be gone again. Right. So it's not this like magic weight where you're like, oh, I weigh X amount. It's like we all weigh different amounts at different times of the day and at different you know, based on what's going on and what we ate the day before. And um, it just became kind of like an interesting thing, but not, you know, attached to, you know, like I didn't feel bad or good about it, really. It was not attached to your self-worth. Exactly, exactly. I did start getting more into building up more, what I would now identify as like a health style, like more healthier habits. Just a little more consciousness around what you were putting in your body. Okay, I think that sort of normally happens as you get older <laughs> and get get out of college. Yeah. As you get older and you're like, oh, I'm not 22. Like, I think this was more about like, I was spending $8 on food out at lunch and it, it was more food than I probably wanted. And was like, well, what could I um, make? What could I make at home that I would actually want to eat? So okay. I started developing this, like looking at what would I buy? What would I put on a salad at Whole Foods? Buy those things, commit to buying those things, make them in a salad, bring it and eat it. Like it's not that hard. And I started doing that and I started, and then kind of from there, the habits kind of started to, you know, develop a little bit more. And at this point, how long ago was this? 
Oh gosh. Um, eight years. Eight maybe? years ago. Okay. Eight years. Um, so this was sort of like the year after that ish, I think. So I think I was kind of just like experimenting and yeah. And, you know, to be honest, it probably also, you know, I probably, yeah, I, I'm sure I wanted to be smaller. I'm sure that I did enjoy, um, I'm sure I was watching the scale. I'm sure that I was thinking, um, how can it not go up three pounds every weekend? I'm sure that that was the thing. <laughs> Do you know, I have any control over this number? Yes, yes. Because definitely what happened throughout that following year, following the spine flu situation, is I definitely did, you know, slowly, bit by bit, I did end up losing probably about 10 pounds throughout that year. But then things things got really great. And then they got a little bit not so great. I started definitely getting a little bit more, and this is before I found summer tomato, um, more into health and nutrition in, in the beginning in a more positive way of, you know, I read like, um, the omnivore's dilemma and watched food Inc mm-hmm. and, you know, definitely started caring a lot more about my, where things were coming from and started, you know, going to the farmer's markets. And, you know, so it was, it was a really slow transition. It was, yeah, like probably two ish years of kind of settling in. But then I also started, it was literally like the day I got Netflix. Um, I don't want to really name too many names, but I started (laughs) watching a lot of plant-based documentaries. And I still to this day think there's so much to be gained from eating a plant-based diet. I think that vegetables are amazing. I think that there is a lot to be said for so much of what that whole uh, mentality is about. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it became like almost like a religion. So it started really good. I started get, you know, kind of you know, continually making these improvements, right? Continually making what I thought was improvements in my health style. Um, kind of, you know, continually getting, you know, more towards real food, more towards things I've made, more towards, you know, what I would have identified as health. Um, but then I definitely, I definitely got a lot of like food fears happening. And I definitely, you know, one thing, you know, because I want to, what I really want to talk about is like food moralizing and how I got away from it. Um, But what is hard is you seek out the information that is going to go along with what you already believe. So, or I do, I do. I know that I do. I know lots of people do. Um, And I can even sometimes like see it in, um, comments or like you could tell even like people who are like reading your stuff and talking you, know, you might be looking for like looking for validation like but tell me sugar is really terrible um, confirmation bias confirmation exactly you're looking for things that um already go along with what you believe so it was yeah. all or nothing and this is like this is kind of like where i'm this is sort of like the point of like why i have called it you got into you started eating more healthy and it sort of turned into a little bit of an obsession and you got really into sort of the values and philosophy behind it and you became vegan, right? It's like something you mostly vegan, except for at parties. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> after, except for after three glasses of wine. And then you're like, all the cheese, literally, please, all the cheese right now. <laughs> and so, so what you're saying is that this all became a, a very difficult place for you where you were on the one hand, thinking you're doing something good, like you have all these ideas and theories and philosophies about what is appropriate for health and also probably the planet and all that good stuff. Exactly, exactly. And then the reality of your behaviors, which 
it sounds like we're struggling to keep up a little bit with your perfectionist mindset. Yes. Yeah. So basically at this time, you know, I was in this spot where I, um, again, I think that, um, some, some messages are not for everyone. It's one of those things where, um, you know, generally everything you hear is you need to eat more fruits and vegetables. You need to eat more fruits and vegetables. I had basically convinced myself that fruits and vegetables were, um, the only safe foods. Like, I mean, mm. I was, I would eat like a piece of toast in the morning and occasionally I'd put a couple chickpeas on my salads. Um, but for the most part, I had this mentality and really I mentioned before that it was almost like a religion. Um, you know, really I, I, I am not a religious person. I don't practice any religion. Um, it really, and I, and I also have had, um, you know, a, a fear of death and dealing with anxiety around death and without religion, there's not a good way of handling that. There's not a good mm. way of resolving mm -hmm. that anxiety for yourself. And for me, this really became that. Wow. So this became like, and it really, and it took me a while to realize that. Yeah, I can totally see that though. That's a, it's a very logical direction. Yeah. That it was my way of saying, I, you know, I intellectually know that immortality is impossible and that we are all going to die sometime. I know that, but it was a way of resolving this issue for me of like, but I'm going to do things so differently from everybody else that these things that happen to everyone else, they're not going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. So that's a thing that I definitely, I, I know deep down, I didn't truly believe it. I mean, you know that you're going to die and that everybody is going to, but this is a way of dealing with hearing about people who have cancer and diabetes. It's like, this is so sad for them, but it's not going to happen to me mm -hmm. because I'm going to eat all the fruits and vegetables and I'm not going to eat any carcinogens and I'm not going to eat any processed food and any poisonous sugar and dead decaying animal flesh. That's not for me. I'm different. I'm special. Mm -hmm. Gives it, you a sense of control. Exactly. Um, it definitely gave me a sense of control, but it definitely pushed me into that all or all or nothing mentality. Yeah. Like that's like the strongest food moralizing ever. <laughs> You're like, I'm either eating health or death. Or death, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that is sort of is like my point of sharing all of this long convoluted story about my food history is to like really have people understand like when I say that like I've let go of food moralizing, like this is where I came from. Like literally I'm going to eat tomatoes and it's going to make me not get cancer someday. This is kind of what I thought. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like this is where I was coming from. <laughs> so that was a lot. And at the time, the other thing is, if you had asked me, like, are you in pain? Are you having anxiety about this? I would have said, no, I feel great. Life is delightful. Everything is one. Like, I would have felt at the time, like, because you do, you read about people who have, like, orthorexia. And I'm like, well, I'm not that because I don't have all, I don't have anxiety about this. I feel great. But I didn't. Like, I thought, I didn't believe, I, I thought that everything was going awesome. I know that I could eat cheese if I wanted to, because I do like that was balanced to me was I'll just be perfect, perfect, perfect until 
I decide that I'm going to literally eat all the cheese one day. And it's like, today is a fat day. So today is the day that I'm going to wake up and we're going to go to brunch. And then we're going to have three cupcakes at the, you know, at the bakery. And then we're going to go get Kajoba because we haven't had it in like six months. You know, like that was my mentality. It was like this all, so all or nothing. Mm. And I would be like literally ill. And then it would prove to me, oh yeah, when you eat those foods, look at how terrible you feel. But I was eating them in like wildly unreasonable quantities. Like, Amazing. Of course you feel sick. Like, of course you feel sick. I one time literally threw up at my friend's New Year's party, not even from drinking, but because I ate a ridiculous amount of pizza rolls because I hadn't had pizza rolls in like who knows how long. And I was like, but I'm healthy and I'm thin and I am so good to myself all the time. So why not eat all the pizza rolls? It's like, because your body can't handle it. Like who needs (laughs) to eat a whole box of pizza rolls? That's insane. But like, this is where I came from, like this mentality. So uh, would you call those binges? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, so basically you were too restrictive. So it's just a, it's a, like mentally, it's not different than somebody who wants to do these, like, you know, not eat enough for dieting reasons. Exactly. It's the same sort of, the, your, your mind reacts in the same way, which is to basically use a lot of willpower and then have the what the hell effect and binge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, looking back, um, I also, you know, I'm someone who I never allow, like, I, I really, I'm a frequent eater. I'm a, I, I'm a snacker. Um, I would never be somebody who would quote starve themselves like that. I've just like literally always got snacks. I'm always eating. Like you would never think that about me. But looking back at that time, I was like, I was eating such a big volume of food. So my stomach was feeling full, but calorically, like there were definitely times where I probably wasn't getting enough food. I mean, I was getting a volume, like so much fiber, like, whoa. But in terms of like yeah. appropriate nutrition, I wasn't getting it. You know, I wasn't doing that. I definitely picked that up when you said you would put a couple chickpeas on your salad. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah you yeah. definitely, if you're vegan, you definitely need more than a couple chickpeas. Like a lot. And I did. <laughs> and I'll, yeah, I absolutely was not doing all the right things that you should do. Yeah. And we probably should say that, by the way, that it's totally possible to be vegan and really, really healthy. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to be careful because you, you, you have to make sure you cover all your bases, but it's 100% possible. And, and I, I would never, knock that as a as a choice especially i mean it's a it's a very sensible choice for many reasons but yeah but you have to do it right you can't just you can't just eat lettuce all day that's not you gonna, can't just eat lettuce not, all day. You can't. so you ended up in this position and at what point did you realize it was a problem i started kind of thinking i was having some various like physical symptoms like i'd noticed my hair was thinning and also like it could just be i'm getting older but i was like ah my hair is not the same and I just generally didn't feel as smart. I was like, I feel like I used to be a little bit quicker, be a little bit sharper. Um, I was just feeling not myself. That's and interesting. Was, yeah, that, that's actually one of my one of my one of my pet peeves about uh, vegan arguments. Like, again, I totally support anybody who is being a healthy vegan, but it seems like the only thing anybody ever wants to talk about is heart disease and diabetes or maybe cancer, but what about neuroscience? Like what about your brain that requires fat and usually some animal fat? I mean, you can, you can find certain omega threes in some plant sources, but it's a lot of work. You know, you have to go get supplements of them. And, um, and, and it's, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, you can live happy and healthy or, or at least 
healthy. <laughs> you know, you can go yeah, to the doctor yeah. and get good numbers back from your doctor. But things like, yeah, mental sharpness, fatigue, depression, the don't forget about those. Those are important too. And and they are also related to how you eat. So, it, you know, maybe not you're going to die of a heart attack or heart disease, but you don't want dementia, but you also just don't want to be sluggish and upset, yeah. you know, and, and, yeah. and unhappy. And, and there's a lot of factors there. So, you know, it's one thing I definitely encourage people to think about health, not just in terms of heart disease. I know it kills the most people and, you know, it's very, it's very top of mind for Americans, especially, but their health is a big thing. It's like your whole body. And it's easy to forget that when you're just, especially if you're obsessed with the, the, the data and trying to find a perfect healthy diet, like almost all the studies are about heart disease and diabetes. Yeah. So keep in mind that there's more there. Exactly. Exactly. And that was definitely, um, that was another thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of an anxious person very, you know, a little in various forms. Um, but like I had been having this anxiety, um, for example, you know, I'd been reading lots of different things, both, you know, vegan and non-vegan different, you know, health promoting things. Um, but one of the things I found is like, I literally had to put some books down, like the China study, for example, like I had, I was like, this is giving me anxiety, like reading about all the things that can go wrong with your body. Um, and really like internalizing, like, <laughs> these are all the things that can happen to your body. And these are all the ways that, um, things can, that your body can fail you. Um, and I was kind of really focusing on all these ways your body can fail you. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't making me happy. Um, so that was not making me happy. So <laughs> it's like, like med school syndrome. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So that was, that was not great, but okay. So back to my, the physical kinds of symptoms that were going on. Um, you know, the, um, kind of just generally not feeling as sharp. I started to try to, you know, think critically, be like, what if I'm wrong? Like I could be wrong. I'm willing to be wrong. So I started spending, you know, more time <laughs> researching all other things, nutrition. And so, you know, more people who are more clean eating and, you know, just generally, um, you know, I started to kind of think about these, you know, other perspectives and did this make your anxiety less or more? Uh, it turns out it was more. <laughs> <laughs> And this is where I was like, whoa, 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 you need to just chill out. There is this article I read that I wish I could remember the name of it because this was like a serious turning point for me and I wish I could remember it. Um, but this article that kind of like changed things for me was basically the general premise was about like, we're all going to die and we need to accept it. And wasting your life drinking kale smoothies and running marathons um, and tormenting yourself in the name of health is not the answer. And hmm. so I like disagree with lots of the things because I think that we should take care of our bodies and that quality of life often is taking care of our bodies mm -hmm. and health doesn't have to make you miserable. This person clearly had like a distorted view of what being healthy was, but something about this article made me realize like I need to be laying and I am spending so much of my mental energy, like literally trying to determine what's the perfect diet and what's the perfect way to take care of myself to live forever. I'm not going to, that's mm. not going to happen. Like I need to accept that. So what can I do to be happy now while still taking care of my body? So the article, it, it sounds like what it did to some extent is shatter the idea that perfect was possible. Yes. Yes. Okay. Or that it was, it was more that it was perfect was not desirable. 
Ah, even more interesting. Not that it wasn't possible because it was more that it wasn't desirable because it more planted the seed of, um, this is before I found summer tomato, (laughs) is there value to your life in other things that are not necessarily health promoting? Is there value to your life in getting ice cream with your friends? Is there value to your life in having a glass of wine? Is there value to your life in sometimes deciding that you don't want to go to the gym today because you have a friend in town and you want to spend the day hanging out with somebody, you know, hanging out and having fun and catching up. Very Um, profound. There are, there's value to be had. It's not about keeping your body in this most pristine condition so that it can last you forever. It's not going to last you forever. You want to take care of it. And and that's where like, I disagree with this author that like, I still think that you should take care of yourself and that you're going to have a higher quality of life if you can have health and if you can avoid chronic disease. Like I think that there's still a lot to be said for like this person was very cynical, but it planted that seed. Actually, you know, it's funny when for me, it was actually ironically when I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I read uh, Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Workweek. Mm-hmm. And it's basically it's that same idea, but with with work and yeah. and and, and, how, and like money. And I, I remember reading it and I was like, you know, I grew up in a in a sort of lower middle class household and I was the first person in my family on either side to go to college. And so I, I definitely believed that like you work your butt off until you're 65 and then you retire and you're happy. Like the, I like yeah. I sort of had this idea and that book came and I read it and it was like, why would you do that? You're the, the best years of your life. You're going to spend toiling and struggling for what? And I was like, yeah. and like, you know, by that time I was in graduate school and had been toiling and struggling for a long time. And I was like, Oh yeah. And and it's funny cuz it actually I didn't you know health wasn't mentioned in that book but mm-hmm. I was sort of struggling with health in the same way and and I I just like I saw that philosophy and it was like that's what's missing from my diet. Like I was yeah. like there's no joy. I was like what yeah. what am I doing this for? Like do I just want to die a skinny old lady? Like, what's exactly, the point of that? Exactly. What's the point? <laughs> so, so I, you know, so I, like, I, that was when I was like, well, why am I doing this? I'm like, okay, the truth is I, I want to be happy. Yeah. And like, let's start there and work backwards. And does not eating. Yeah. My, like my grandma's spaghetti or cupcakes that I love. Does that make me happy? No. Like, yeah. and, and, and I know, and I knew enough by that time I'd been, eat, I'd been experimenting enough with diets and whatever Atkins I've done. I'd done all of them at that point. I knew enough that one cupcake wasn't going to derail anything. Cause usually if I had more of a binge type situation, it would be like an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's, which is like yeah, seven cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I knew that like rationally, and I was just like, it just switched everything for me. There was just this turning point where I was like, I'm doing it wrong. My goal's wrong. My goal was perfection, but my goal should be happiness. And You're yeah, exactly. And then it's 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 a hard thing to when that, when that moment hits you, especially if you have been the type of person who's a little obsessive about mm-hmm. being healthy and not getting diseases, and you're scared of all that stuff a little bit, yeah. and you get like wound up about it. That moment when you realize that life is too short, and there's at a certain point you can't control that, like you could get hit by a bus. Like yeah. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And actually that it happened to my mom. Like my mom was super healthy and she got a car accident and she died at 53. So it's like, you know, when you, when you, when you come to the reality of that, it's like, yeah, you sort of have to step back and say, gosh, what's important. Exactly. The point is like to live your fullest life, you Mm -hmm. know, to live your fullest life and not just to live the quote healthiest life because 
that's actually not health. You know, just being obsessed <laughs> about too. what you're going to eat. Yeah, that's not health. Right. Like, Adding all that anxiety to your life is not healthy either. It's not right. healthy. It's not healthy. And that was sort of, you know, where I started to, you know, realize things that I would say that like, oh, but I'm happy this way. Oh, I feel amazing. But I would I be thinking about things like if a neighbor would invite me over for dinner, it's like, well, what are they going to have? Are we going to bring up that we're vegan? Are we going to, am I going to say this? Am I going to say that? Uh, maybe I'll just eat that. And I've been thinking about it. Like technically, like I didn't, I still went to things and I still lived my life, but I'd have to decide, is this going to be a day? Is this going to be a quote designated like fat day, or like a free for all day? Like am I, and then if there's too many of those days, it would weigh on me. Like, I remember this was like, so sad to me looking back. I remember thinking this is like April and I'm thinking forward and I've got a trip to Michigan where I have three different weddings and then I have a road trip with my girlfriends. And then I have in August, I have this other wedding and I'm thinking, you know, months in advance, how can I have all those, um, like quote fat days or unhealthy day? Like how can I, like how I'm dreading these Mm -hmm. fun things that are in my life? Like, how am I going to handle that? Like that is really sad to me or that I would look at my, you know, my calendar and think, oh, great. I don't have anything going on in February. February will be a really healthy month for me. Mm -hmm. Like that's not good to me. Like that wasn't, it's not where I want my life to be. And my life is more full now. That's awesome. So when you, you, you read this article, when did you, like, how did you translate that into behavior? Because I feel like even definitely like reading something is important and information is important. And even when it hits you in an emotional way, like you've sort of described that can be definitely changing, but how would you say that it impacted your behaviors day to day? Yeah. So what I started doing around that time, I also watched, I forget, but some other documentary around that same time that was a very like feminist body positive documentary (laughs) that made me be like, also like, you're like me, you like read books and watch documentaries all week long. I love it. Right, like a lot. So I was like really motivated to be also, you know, I was also in the spot of being like challenging society's ideas about what we even should look like as women. And like, so what if I do this and I do gain a couple pounds? Like, who really cares? Right. Like, like that sort of was where I was at. I was ready. I was ready. <laughs> and, but then again, like, you know, there's no straight line. There's no before and after, like there's no, I did this and then everything was wonderful. It's always, you know, different phases and you have, you know, highs and lows. And I was really motivated in that time. And so what it translated into was me like basically planning out, like I'm going to purposefully start um, breaking up some of my habits that I'd had. So I like plotted out going and getting this brunch that was a, you know, salmon scramble from this place. And I didn't even eat the whole thing. Cause I was like, I'm afraid to eat all this stuff at what, you know, like I want to, what it's going to be, it's going to be a shock to my system. Like it wasn't, um, it was fine. Everything was fine. Um, so I started like specifically planning. Cause at this point, all my habits were so ingrained in yeah, all the fruits and vegetables. So I had to specifically plan to break them. So at that so you were like, of- Tuesday, I'm getting the salmon and yeah, that's yeah. going to be meat and it's going to be a thing and I'm going to yeah, do it. Yeah, I just said that it was going to be Sunday right. morning. I was like, hey, look, nothing. I didn't have a heart attack. Like, I was fine. Look at that. Um, and I started kind of plotting, you know, I wasn't committed to um, whether or not I thought that animal products were for me or not. It was more like, I don't want rules. I might decide that like overall, and I still, I really don't eat very much meat in general. I just, it's not really a thing I do a lot. Um, but I didn't want to have rules. So Mm -hmm. it was specifically things like there, and I was still, I was still kind of, you know, really, uh, entrenched in like, 
you know, um, being really careful about the food I ate. Um, so I got, there's like this one specific kind of smoked salmon from the farmer's market and I would get one piece of the special salmon from the special man who I know does it really, really well and, you know, sources things appropriately. And I'd have like that one piece of smoked salmon. I would break it up and add it to some dinners throughout the week. Mm. Um, and I would buy, you know, a small amount of eggs from the, the farmer's market and like one or two nights a week, I would add an egg to my meal. So I was like specifically trying to um, like purposefully add things in um, in a really like small way. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really more at that time about breaking up rules, being like, I don't, I need to feel free. I need to not quote, be vegetarian or be, I need to not be a thing. I'm just a person who is eating food and most of it is healthy food. And sometimes it won't be. Yeah. Um, By the way, for people listening, this is what experimenting looks like. Like you don't know, like I always say, like do little experiments and I can't help it. I talk like a yeah. scientist, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, a lot, a lot of times people don't know what that means. Like they think they have to sort of have a lab notebook and uh, plan out a hypothesis and it's, you don't need yeah. to know how it's going to go, but it's all about saying, well, what can I actually do? Like what's realistic and say, yeah, I can buy eggs. Like I can buy Sam. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be I mean, you were specifically trying to like add things to your diet that weren't there before, but you know, maybe what you're trying to do is add more vegetables. Like, okay, well, like when you're just thinking about your week, it's like, well, when would it be easy to add vegetables? Like, well, I know that we have this dinner where we go out to a restaurant on Tuesdays. I can like add an extra salad or order an extra salad or, Mm -hmm. or maybe when I go to the grocery store, I can buy a side salad or something that's already made, but it's super easy. I don't have to like think about chopping and all that stuff. So they're just like, just thinking about your week and saying, where can I make a tiny change? And then just doing it and seeing how it goes. It doesn't doesn't have to be more complicated than that. And, and you learn a lot by doing that if you're paying attention. Yeah. I think I had already decided that by the time I found Summer Tomato and the first article that I got, it was like linked from another blog I was reading or something, um, was the one about like goals are for losers. Mm -hmm. And that connected with me so much. I was like, this is me in all things, like not even health wise, but this idea of, you know, having about systems and building systems and not having it be about like, this is my specific goal and I'm going to achieve this goal. It's more about like, well, what do you want your life to look like? Like, what do you want? I mean, even like looking backwards, like that idea of like me making salads like eight years before, you know, it was really like that kind of thing about like, I just want to have a better lunch. Like, that's what I want. Like, what can I do? The system is I'm going to make my lunch. I'm going to bring my lunch. I didn't have a goal of I'm going to have three salads this week. You know, it was mm. like, okay, I want to have a better lunch. What, do, what would a better lunch look like to me? I really like the whole food salads. How can I make that myself? that idea of setting up systems is kind of a thing that I've always, you know, even in like my professional life, like, so that article really like, it's like, okay, this, like this girl gets it. Like, this is cool. Okay. <laughs> Subscribe. Like, what else here? like, yeah, like this, like I feel this. And then started, you know, kind of like digging into more things about like habits. That's where I really started hearing about this, like this all or nothing, this are the, the, what the hell effect. Um, I was like, oh yeah, I do that. Like I for sure do that, but I, I can't not do it. I can connect so much with readers who like are, you know, hearing your podcast, they hear the message. Like I definitely, like I heard the message loud and clear, but like I could not internalize. I was like, well, that's great for other people, but not for me. Like there's no way that I 
can eat half a donut. I mean, that's crazy. If I'm going to eat donuts, I'm going to literally eat all the donuts. Uh, like that's just where I'm at in life. I really, really thought that. Um, and it takes a long time. Yeah. So you came in like one article resonated with you, but the whole you weren't ready for the whole foodist mindset yet. <laughs> yeah, I believed yeah, like on an intellectual level. But I was like, for me, I don't know, like it took a while of experimenting exactly what um, exactly, you know, what we kind of talked about, like trying to do these these little experiments. And, you know, so this is this is the point where I'm kind of I'm break, trying to break up some of my other habits and trying to add in other foods. It also was good to read, you know, somebody who clearly values health a lot and isn't just promoting purely plant-based agenda. So it was good to hear like, you know, your articles about like eating all different, you know, quote, like weird foods and different foods and not being a picky eater. And the more the merrier with like different nutrients and nutrient diversity. And so I was trying to, I was kind of like getting inspired by that idea. Interesting. It sounds like, so you sort of started with the more like practical advice, like, yeah, yeah. You know, sort of incorporating more diversity into your diet and but then like the mindset stuff started seeping in a little bit slowly it's it is hard it, that's definitely not the type of thing that changes overnight <laughs> yeah or it's hard to like you can you can yeah you can read it you can understand it you can agree with it like i agreed with that like i was like obviously restriction causes binging like that is happening for me like i hear it but could the answer really be eating more during the day? Like, oh, I don't know. Like that's, it's hard to um, apply. It takes a while to internalize, to apply to yourself. The big thing, you know, and throughout my, throughout my journey, um, you know, there would have been different successes I would have reported at different times. There would have been different things that I would have called in as a coaching person asking about. Um, Cause I think that, yeah, like no person is just one thing. There's no, for most people anyways, there's no like magic after where everything is wonderful. You know, there's I love that, by the way, you wrote that in your email to me. I love that what you said that there's no before and after this is there's ups and downs. And this yeah. is a journey. And you what you want is to be going in a direction that aligns with your values. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so I was, you know, sort of already, you know, like working towards this direction. Um, but the thing that really, like the piece that I, you know, really kind of wrote in to talk about today, the reason I want to share the story is really like the impact that mindful eating had hmm. on my ability to overcome this food moralized. What I want to talk about is what's happened the last year, because the last year, like that is when I started to internalize this message about mindful eating. And that truly has helped stop the food moralizing and has made my life so much better that like that is the purpose of me calling it like that is the cool. purpose, because that is like it's life changing. And I have felt and understood benefits that like that I didn't believe, you know, two to three years ago, like when I was reading, okay, yeah, eat half a donut. That sounds lovely, Daria. You clearly have amazing willpower and you've tricked yourself into thinking that it's not, it's like, no, no, truly, like truly I can take a bite of a donut and be like, no, I'm good because I know I can have it again. Like I have truly internalized this and made like my life is just so much better this last year than it has been. And I have concrete steps to talk about that I tried and experiments that I did with myself. And it has been truly, truly life changing for me. Wow, cool. So let's start. Like, what, where did you hear about mindful eating and how did that become a thing? So I think it was, um, this was back before the Mindful Meal Challenge, even. I think this was mindful eating placemat was a thing. Mm -hmm. And then there was also, you had some other article about like just tips for mindful eating, like things like, 
counting your chews and not watching TV and like paying attention to they're trying to identify the ingredients, um, Mm -hmm. things like that. So this is before the mindful meal challenge even happened. Mm -hmm. It was like some article about strategies for mindful eating. Got it. And I, you know, I, I knew that that was a thing, but I was definitely one of these people that was like, well, I've prepared my food. I'm going to eat what I made. I'm not going to eat more or less of it. Depend, you know, like kind of like, why can't I just look at Facebook and eat what I eat and whatever? I didn't really get it. One of the things, what you need to do to understand, to reduce food moralizing is you have to have a bank of positive experiences. And so you have to build up this bank of positive experiences and mindful eating is the trick to that. So hmm. again, like in my head, you know, eating brownies, for example, if I see there's brownies at work, either I have to go, I'm not having brownies. I'm not a person who has brownies. Sugar is bad for you. I'm not having brownies. Or I'm going to go, hmm, if I have a brownie, I'm going to eat like all the brownies. I guess it's a brownie day. Let me eat all the brownies and I'll eat like four. So if that's my experience, like either you eat four brownies or you are tortured with your willpower and you eat no brownies, that's what you think is true. Yes. So you have to have experiences to show you that like it's it's possible, a different outcome is possible. Yes. So in psychology, the way you get things, like, like just from like a backing up a little bit, big picture, the way you get things from your conscious brain to your subconscious, which by the way, your subconscious is the one that makes all the decisions yeah. <laughs> about your behavior, <laughs> the way you talk to it, because you can't, you can't rationalize with it. It doesn't use language. It mm-hmm. uses experience and emotions. So you're 100% right. And psychology backs this up. If you want to, if you want to believe truly that something different is possible, you can't read a story about it. You can't read an article about it. You have to experience it. Yes. And that's why I didn't, that's why I couldn't internalize. I can agree with you that mindful eating has benefits and I can agree with you that there's a binge restrict cycle. But if I haven't experienced something different, I think it's not, it can't be for me because I haven't experienced it. So Mm -hmm. it sounds impossible. Yeah, it sounds impossible. It sounds impossible. Um, so it started, it was like building up these wins to then mentally be able to refer back to. And like one of the situations I recall, this is maybe like May ish or so of last year. So I'd already been trying, you know, breaking up some of my, um, you know, more restrictive behaviors and incorporating different foods. And so I already kind of been there, but I was still, you know, food moralizing was still like a thing that was happening. Um, and binging was still a thing that was happening. So, the first you know, the experience, the experience I can remember was um, the situation of going out with my husband and we went to this cider festival. And so I had already also had some alcoholic beverages at the time of this, which made it like really impressive that I was able to do this. Like my first, <laughs> like, like that is really impressive. So there's food carts in this part of town that we were at and he was like, I, we should get Thai food. And so instead of mentally being like, oh gosh, Thai food, that means it's time to either eat mass amounts of pasta or say no Thai food for me. It's like, okay, like just, okay, sure. Let's get Thai food. We just decided to just get one thing of Thai food because I can just take bites and eat slowly and appreciate the taste of it. And if it turns out that I don't quote, like get as much or he gets more, like, that's fine. Like this doesn't have to be a mass eating experience. You know, I can eat a bite and I can chew and I can talk and I can. And, and you were in a place with food carts, right? With food carts. That makes it easier. I feel like, cause you, like you can always go get another one. I could <laughs> always go get another one. Exactly. And that is like exactly. So this is what 
you know, there's sort of three components to this to me. And one is like being sure that you're actually like adequately nourished, which is another thing I'll kind of talk about, like how I kind of reformatted like what I eat during the day so that like I always was a snacker, but instead of just like mindlessly shoveling grapes in my mouth all day, like that's not satiating. Um, I would be crafting more prepared, balanced meals so that even going going to the cider fest, like I wasn't hungry because I probably, you know, ate at four and now it's seven and, and I'm, you know, like I, I'm fine. I'm just kind of fine. It makes food be more when you aren't hungry and makes it possible for food to feel more, more neutral. Yeah. Um, and so 100%. that's another kind of thing. Yeah. Is Being like, hungry will is the strongest like trigger. Impossible. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm capable because I'm not starving of eating slowly and thinking about how it tastes and being like, this tastes really good. I can get enjoyment out of a way smaller quantity of pasta. And if it turned out that I was hungry later, there are more foods available and I could eat more foods later because I, because it takes the belief of truly knowing that you're not going to be restricting in the future in order to not feel that all the food right now, because never the food again, Um, because you have to truly believe that more food is coming mm-hmm. because it is. And that's, you know, more of this exact same story. You know, then we kind of walked around and did other things. And later on, you know, we wanted to get a piece of pizza from this certain place. And I was like, you know, I don't really want, I'm not actually really craving this pizza that much right now. But then I was like, yeah, I'll take like a bite. And I had like a couple bites of his pizza pizza. I was like, look at that. I was able <laughs> to eat pizza and Thai food and drink cider in the same night and, not and nothing it. terrible happened and I don't feel hungry and I don't feel full like I feel normal and I got to enjoy these foods um and in a quantity that and also again because I have the habit of the neutral weighing in it's like hey look my weight isn't different or if it was like I don't even remember because it doesn't matter if it was like a pound up the next day it's like hey look the next day it's not look not a big deal no negative outcome happened I didn't have a stroke and then you have that experience. So then mm. it shows you when you know, something else coming up. Because going out to eat used to mean I'm going to eat a quantity of food that will make me sick. Like if I go out to eat, I will eat literally all the food. I will get dessert. I'll go home and eat more dessert. I will do all these things because that's what I had done. So now I have this experience of like that doesn't have to be that way. Mm. Um, and it doesn't mean that like literally after this one day, everything was wonderful because that's not true. But you, it's starting to build that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had another experience of, you know, I had said before that um, I had had anxiety about like trips, like I'm going to be going to Michigan, I'm going to be eating all this quote bad food in Michigan. Um, I had this experience of going to Michigan for like five days and trying to think, and I was thinking, I'm going to really try to use this opportunity as my, as a mindful eating experiment. You know, I'm going to really try to build up these experiences of, proving to myself that I can eat mindfully, even in Michigan, like I'm going to prove to myself that this is possible. Really quick. I am curious. So so you somehow translated in in your mind that this food cart Thai food experience was an example of mindful eating. Yes. Okay. Well, okay. So, okay. So also let me back up. So in my head at this point, I'm not thinking of mindful eating as being um, like that, you know, like what we then did in the challenge. Like that was, I was like, oh my God, whole new world, mind blown of like having it being this truly like uh, meditative experience. To me, it was just the, um, I'm chewing, I'm going slow, I'm tasting my food, I'm thinking about my food. 
food. I'm looking at the food. I'm not shuffling the food. I'm being calm while I'm eating the food. So this wasn't this food card experience. Like now what I, what I now know about mindful eating, I view differently, but at the time it was more, it was being present during my eating experience more than I had in the past. Got it. Um, got it. And trying to be more talking and doing other things and not, you know, silently got it. meditating on my food, eating slowly, putting your fork down, chewing completely. And being present. I think you sh- nailed it with that. Present. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's what I was more. So that's what my definition was at that point. And so, and so you were like, I need more of that because that worked unbelievably well. Yes. Yeah, so, and it gave me the <laughs> okay. confidence to not fear these going out to eat situations. Cause I was like, well, I can do that. I just did that. I can do it again. <laughs> like I did that after two drinks. Yes. Yes. So that's I a, that's a small drinks, miracle. Like, that is. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, so I had this experience, you know, going to Michigan and thinking, you know, going to a family picnic and being like, I don't actually really care for lots of the foods that were here. Whereas like in my head before I would have thought there's quote bad foods here. I need to eat the bad foods because this is my chance. It was like, well, I don't really care for that. I don't really care for that. Like, what do I actually want? That dessert doesn't even look that good. I know that I could have it if I wanted it. Actually judging the food for what it's worth. And not just saying, you know, this is, yeah, quote, like the bad food. I can, because I've already decided that I can have whatever I want. I've already gotten rid of those rules. There aren't rules. So this isn't my special opportunity to go crazy. There's no need to ever go crazy because, you can always have whatever you want. Um, what do you really want? And- I love that. And I, I love that you, you, you sort of, and this is exactly what happens. So when, when somebody is on the restrict binge cycle, it, that's the, you're right. The kind of conversation you have in your head, even if it's sort of some subconscious on at some level mm-hmm. is this is my chance. <laughs> like you're, you're not thinking, is this good? Is this worth it? Is this, like, if I could eat anything in the world, would it be this? Like, it's not that you're like, this is an opportunity. No one look. I'm going to, like, put as much of this into my pie hole as I can in as short a period as possible. So I don't have to think about it. And it just is over. And when when you get out of that, when you start that, what it feels like mentally to be out of that mindset is, is that good? Like, is it? Like, I don't actually, yeah. like, I've had that before and it's okay. Or like, oh, I, or sometimes what happens to me is I'll say, watch, that looks really good. And I'll take a bite and I'll be like, actually, it's really salty <laughs> or, or really sweet. And I'm like, I'm good, actually. Like, I don't, eh, no thanks. Exactly, exactly. And so being able to have those experiences um, and truly being, yeah, when you're truly being present, you're able to, you know, to say that, to say, oh, I, yeah, like this cupcake wasn't very good. like. I don't need any more of it was really. And, and so another thing about this, this Michigan trip, another thing I started to develop was this ability to take leftovers, like, and share things is, so was, this was like my, my thing I was learning in this moment, because mm. I was always of this mentality. Again, if I'm going out to eat, this is my chance of eating all the food way past the point of fullness. Why would I want leftovers? Because tomorrow is a good day. Why would I want to bring this food home with me? Cause tomorrow I'm not going to, like, tomorrow's not a pizza day. Today's the pizza day. Today right. I'm going to eat four pieces of pizza. Why would I save one for tomorrow? Tomorrow's not the pizza tomorrow's day. Tomorrow's salad tomorrow's day. day. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that was sort of was like where I was at. Hmm. So this idea of I, you could, you know, I was going out to eat on this Michigan trip almost every night, um, but I would order. And normally also I'm still, I'm still choosing things that are largely veggie heavy because I, I want that. That's truly what I want. So if we're out to Mexican, I would get a salad with chicken and beans and rice and, I 
would, you know, it was, it's a lot like restaurant food is a lot. It's a hard, large volume. So mm-hmm. if I'm chewing and swallowing and talking and doing, you know, enjoying myself out, um, rather than thinking this is my chance to eat all the food, I need to just focus on shoveling it all in my face. It's like, this food will be here later. This food it will be fine tomorrow. I don't have food. I'm on a trip. I should totally save some food for tomorrow. And this food will be great tomorrow. And then I can have two lovely positive eating experiences instead of one that I barely notice and then leaves me feeling sick. Yeah. You know, like why not enjoy two experiences? And then through having that, um, you know, through having that happen and, you know, having that feeling, you then have that to, you know, refer back to, to, you know, hey, I was able to, it didn't stress me out to see my food on my plate. I could leave some. I could take, I, I was still, I was in a very, um, I'm, I'm still not um, a, a, a waster. I still have a thing about food waste. Mm-hmm. So I still, the idea of like throwing stuff away, that's another um, a thing I'm, I'm working on right now. Throwing things away was like not an option. It was more like if I'm sharing it with someone else, cool. Um, if I can save it for later, cool. Um, but the saving it for later, the to-go boxes, like that was a thing I had just literally never done. But doing it was like, that was a good um uh, a thing I started to practice of, you know, and now this is a thing in my mindset that I can sit down to a meal and and know I could eat this all or I could not. Either option is a fine outcome. You know, I like, love we'll it. See how I feel. I know? love it. And you know, what's funny is like, I, I get a flashback to like some Huffington Post article or something that's like, here's how you be skinny, get a to go box and put your food, like half your food in a to go yeah, box. It's like, that's like that. That's insane. If you don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, but, yeah, but if, yeah. if you're doing that, but like when you realize that most of the time you got to eat, it's way too much food anyway, and it will be just fine tomorrow, then it's like a totally sensible thing to do. But yeah. it's funny because it's, it's when you, when you say that that's what you do and you ask people for tips or whatever, or somebody asks you for a tip for weight loss and you say, well, I, I don't eat all my food. I take some home to go. It sounds like one of those like cliche diet tips, but you end up doing stuff like that when your mindset changes. Yeah, yeah, because that's a really, that's a really good point. Because yeah, it's definitely um, because that would just be willpower, and that's not the exactly. point. Exactly, like, that's not exactly. the point. Um, the point isn't ooh, I want it all, but I'm going to commit to only having half. The point is, right. bring me the box before I start eating because I can't control myself around this plate. Yeah, yeah, like that is not the point. The point is like because I'm not starving when I've arrived, because I've been nourishing myself throughout the day. And because I know that I can have this delicious food or any delicious food really whenever I want, how much do I want of this right now? You know, and like, maybe sometimes it's all of it and maybe it's not. And it's a pretty neutral decision, but it makes it so much easier to not feel that like compulsion to eat all this, you know, yeah, like this, this all or nothing mentality. Um, when you know that you can have it again, you don't feel the need to eat more than you want. You can have it the next day. You could bring it home. You could come back tomorrow and get more. Like, you know that you can have it. Um, and that's really what, like, to me, like the reducing the food moralizing is really what helps you to be able to resolve binging. Um, mm-hmm. when it's not the, for me, um, part of and nourishing your body, like being sure you're not hungry, you're right. not hungry and you're not telling yourself, you can't have this or this is bad or you can only have it now because you could have it any time. It really reduces the allure of the food. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a more neutral. Like, what do I want? It's like, you can have any food that you want. What do you really want? And generally, 
you know, I have established at this point through over time, like acquiring lots of different tastes. Like I naturally do want vegetables. I naturally right. do want healthy foods. Like I don't feel good if all I ate was pizza for, for a day. Like I wouldn't feel good. I don't want that. Um, it's not that I'm telling myself, you know, you can't have it. You can't have it. I can have anything that I want to have. And because I've truly broken up with those rules, I'm not having Thai food and pizza and brownies all day, like, but I do have them and I have them in quantities that are reasonable and don't really affect my weight. And it's not because I've set these limits on it. It's not because I've said I'm allowed myself right. one treat it's this the week and this is it, you know, like, it's like, I can have a treat every day if I want. And because I can have a treat every day, I don't really care about it very much, you know, exactly. like it's, it's reduced its power. Right. And it's so hard to believe when all you've known is the limits. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Because it's exactly. it's because yeah, it's like I, I I as you know I say this all the time and and half the time I get called out and people are like yeah right sure <laughs> you're crazy uh, I don't believe that what they're like maybe all you want is vegetables but all I want is pizza but do you I don't believe you yeah you just think yeah. that right now because when you're left up to your own devices after your the cage you've put on yourself is taken off for an hour. That's what you do. But that's because that's all you know. I don't believe that if you had the choice, you would sit and eat pizza all day because nobody feels good doing that. You don't feel good. And then you would. And, and at a certain point that gets old. And then and then so how do you really want like you like and it, normally I'm talking to somebody who cares a lot about health because they're a summer tomato reader or yeah, whatever. And or just generally feels good to eat nutritious food. And sometimes eat stuff that's just super delicious. And that's fine, too. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And then if you're really paying attention, and that's where, so then, so then the mindful meal, mindful meal challenge kicks in, mind blown. Um, <laughs> that was also really lovely. And that was, what, January when mm -hmm. the first one of those kicked off? I participated in the first mindful meal challenge. Thank you. Um, I think that was in January. And that's where, to me, I had also, maybe around that time, you know, I, I always wanted to try to do more meditation or mindfulness sessions, but it's a hard thing. It's a really hard thing to start. And I had done the um, Headspace app. Mm -hmm. I did that, like the 10 day trial. And it was a good thing for like building a habit. But it's definitely like if I were to say like, what are you working on now? Like trying to develop a, a more um, reliable meditation habit would be really beneficial. What was really great about the Mind Formula Challenge is it was allowing you to use something you were going to do anyways, which is eat your food, mm -hmm. um, to sort of serve as like a meditative practice. And I, and again, like I said before, I was following these, what I quote, what I thought was mindful hints as like, eat slow and chew and like, look at your food and taste your food and don't have Facebook on. Like, that's what I was using. But this was like a whole other level and again, through having those experiences, that does trickle in. And that also then even more helps. Like that also helps you to be able to be present in these eating experiences where you're, it's not your mindful meal, you know, because mm -hmm. that was a thing too. Is like, how can you be mindful when you're eating with your, and I don't have kids, but like we people talk about like eating with their kids and things are really hectic. But having that dedicated mindful meal, it does seep in. Cause I'll notice things even now, like I'll go and I'll sit in the living room with my dinner and I'll be like, 
oh, it's dark. I don't like to eat and not see my food. Like, I don't actually prefer this. Like, mm-hmm. I want to, can we turn the lights on? Like, if I'm going to be eating in here and sitting with you, my, with my husband, watching TV, I at least want to see my food. Like, I don't like to eat in the dark. Um, so, like, these things do seep in, even when you're not in your, your mindful setting. And it really does help to be more present with your eating experience um, and does help for things to be more satisfying and help for you, like we were kind of talking about with the, you know, what does your body truly crave? Do you really want pizza all the time? If you're really being present with your eating experiences, or for me, again, like this is for me, you know, everyone is different. But for me, I have found that I don't want all, you know, I, I, I truly am satisfied with the kinds of foods that I am eating. And I am able to appreciate and enjoy foods that are maybe less nutritious, but just serve a purely pleasure factor. And it is a smaller quantity that I naturally desire because I'm paying attention to how I feel and how things taste. And at a certain point, yeah, like that, does that fourth piece of pizza taste as good? Does it feel good? Do you still feel like you have room for it? You don't, I don't, I didn't. But at the time, you know, flashback to three years ago, it was like, this is my chance to eat all the pizza, mm-hmm. gobble, gobble, all the pizza pizza until I'm literally sick. Um, give me a whole tray of pizza rolls. You know, like right. that's where I was at. You literally um, did that. <laughs> literally ate an entire thing of pizza rolls and threw up and it was very terrible and embarrassing. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's where I'm like, I was there. Like I was there. I hear you. And I also you know, want to also acknowledge like I'm someone, um, I've never had any like significant trauma happen in my life. Like I don't have these kind of emotional, like I definitely had like the food moralizing kind of binges, but I am very lucky in that, you know, like everyone's got different issues that they're working on. And I'm lucky. That's not one of them. And that's harder. And that's definitely like, if you have some sort of trigger, that's an emotional eating trigger that's causing binges and it's not just from restricting, that's definitely like something else you have to work through. But, but I I think your point still stands, which is that in any of those cases, the learning to be present and reframing the moment of food decision where if it's this is what I have to do and this is my only choice because I only know this world, it's really hard to see an alternative because you're, you're so in it. You know, you can't, you can't, you, you don't have any perspective, but so yeah, it's cool that you sort of stumbled into the mindfulness and had that experience and then found the, the more formal mindful meal practice later. But um, one of the benefits of a more formal practice is that it gives you that opportunity to start to work in those sorts of tactics. And and by the way, anybody who's listening to this and wants to take the mindful meal challenge, it starts every Monday. It's a five day challenge and you can just go to mindfulmealchallenge.com and sign up and it's free. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just a little five day video course I put together to help people get through I will understand essentially what mindful eating is because I feel like the like like you experience like the the instructions most people give you are really vague and not that helpful. (laughs) So it's it's a lot more in depth what I do. Yeah, and it was like I cannot recommend it highly enough. Like I've like definitely recommended it to many friends. Like it is so helpful because you don't. um, Yeah, it's easy to say um, be more mindful, be more present. And it's like, well, what does that really mean? And I, I personally, like, I felt a lot of benefits a year ago, even from those more vague. You know, eat slowly, chew, don't watch TV. Like that did help me yes. to be more present. Yeah. But then this allowed it to be this whole other level, really. And yeah, it has been really, really, lo- really lovely. It, is, it even helped with things like, um, 
you know, again, I was saying these like building up these, this bank of experiences. And, you know, one of the things really for me was like sugar. Like I definitely thought I was somebody like, if you're going to eat sugar, you're, you have an addiction to sugar and you, if you eat it, you're going to go crazy. Um, and I have truly like this year, like since the challenge, been able to get to a point where like, I just do not feel that is true for me. Like, I do not feel like I am actually legit. I could, I could eat half a donut. No big problem. Um, just like the article says, like, because I know I can have it again and being present, like when you, like, for example, walk into work and, Oh, look, there's cupcakes, all the cupcakes. It's not this thing of like, am I going to eat cupcakes or am I not going to eat cupcakes? What am I going to do? It's like, do you want a cupcake? I don't know. Well, let's try, let's see. And I'll like slice off like literally like a sliver, like a quarter of a cupcake. And I'll like take a bite and I'll eat it. And I'll be like, that was kind of dry and sugary. Hmm. Okay. Let's try not the icing. I'll take another bite and I'll eat it and I'll think about it. I'm like, yeah, it's not that special. Okay. To feel like I've really gotten the most of my experience, I need to have one more bite to think, nope, this isn't good garbage. Mm-hmm. And I can literally drop like leftover cupcake in the garbage (laughs) that like that to me, the idea that that was possible was craziness. Like I literally didn't believe you that that was possible. And now I do feel that way. And sometimes the answer is "Mm, yummy, homemade, awesome, amazing banana bread. This was really delicious. Totally, I am going to have the (laughs) second bite and I'm going to have the third bite. I'm going to actually eat this whole amount that I've had because this was really, really delicious, but I'm going to not gobble it down in three bites. I'm going to have it, make it last as long as possible. Like if I'm enjoying this piece of amazing homemade banana bread that somebody created and I want it, I want to enjoy it and experience it and have it not be, you know, over. You suddenly want to eat mindfully (laughs) instead of it being this like chore you're supposed to do. Exactly. Exactly. And then you, you know, at least for me, I then really feel like, wow, that was delicious. I appreciated that. But like, that's not snack time. Like I still need to eat my sweet potato, egg, vegetable concoction. Like this is, this was delightful, but like, this isn't what my body needs, like nourishment wise. Like Mm -hmm. I don't actually want to eat four of them and consider that lunch. Like I need more sustenance. Eating this entire container of banana bread is not what would feel good to me. And it doesn't even appeal to me Um, because I do know if after lunch, I'm like, I want a little bit more, I could have it. Mm -hmm. But that really rarely happens um, anymore, which is wildly different for me. That's amazing. It's amazing that you can actually go from a that you've actually been able to go from a place where you're thinking to yourself, Am I a sugar addict? I'm a sugar addict too. No, I can totally throw away a cupcake. I can totally (laughs) throw away a cupcake. Like, and it's actually it's something that I've, um, there was an, uh, a podcast you had about it was a gal and you were mostly talking about like drinking and like being able to like not finish like you don't I think you talk about yourself like when you would like slam a couple sips of wine and you're like why did I even need those like that like the why did I need that right. um, the, the idea of like leaving things because again like I have an issue with like food waste but a thing that I'm working on with myself is like there are some things that like the purpose of it is just pleasure it doesn't need to be in anyone's body so right. putting it in more of it in your body doesn't make the world a better place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like whether it's in the garbage or it's in your body, it's still wasted because the point is it was there to provide pleasure. And so if like two bites of that cupcake provided you the pleasure and then the other two bites went into the garbage, like that's okay. Um, and even with, I've actually been practicing it with alcohol as well um, with like, you 
know, if I'm, I'm trying to also practice like mindful drinking and, you know, I don't have to be like, what if I was the last one finished? Like, what if I specifically tried to drink this drink so slowly I was the last one finished? And if everyone wants to leave and go to like location two and I leave some beverage in my cup, okay, like that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like I can do that. And then having that experience of like nothing bad happened, like I already paid the $8 right. or whatever. Nobody was, even like, noticed. <laughs> Yeah, having it be whether it's in my body or on the on the you know, yeah, there's not you know um, you know thirsty children somewhere who could have drinking my vodka you know like, that's not the reality of the situation like things like brownies and Moscow mules are like fine if they provided you the pleasure they needed to provide and now we're done with them like right. that's okay. So just do you have anything to add to wrap up? I mean, it sounds like you've come so far and and I love. I love the contrast you're making with how hard it was to believe before that it's possible to eat in a way that isn't restricted, but is also not insanely indulgent. Like there, that, that you can actually get to the neutral place by letting go of the restriction, despite all your intuition that tells you the opposite. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, it really, you know, it, the, the main components to me is being sure that like believing, truly believing that like, eating more throughout the day and like nourishing your body. And that means calories. Like you have to eat calories. Like just going from the, my place of eating all the fruits and vegetables. It's like, you have to have some, some sustenance in there. You have to craft meals that are nourishing for your body. And then it makes food be more neutral. Like you're more capable of being mindful of being present, of enjoying food and experiencing it when you aren't ravenous. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's kind of like this continuous cycle of by being mindful, you're yeah. able to have these experiences. And then when you have these experiences, you're able to feel confident um, and comfortable. 100%. And, and those are the two sort of big pillars that I see most frequently in people that I work with and talk to about this, these issues. The first one is hunger. And the second one is moralizing your food. Like if you're starving, you're not going to make good food choices. If you think you have you're good, 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 then you're bad. You're not going to make good food choices. Like those are both very, very powerful triggers because they're the most fundamental brain triggers that you have. So eliminating those like it, are, is really the path forward for so many people. And I, I really appreciate you sharing your story on both those fronts because they are they're really life changing. It really has been. I guess that sort of is that yeah. My my takeaway message is that I've really healed my relationship with food. I feel like I have actually a really delightful relationship with food right now. And I would have not thought that was possible. And <laughs> I want to thank you. And thank you. The my, I cannot plug the mindful meal challenge um, strongly enough. That definitely helped um, get here. Um, but really know that like I have been there. I hear you for people who are struggling with this. I absolutely have been there. And there is, there is hope, you know, there is, there is another way. There is another way. Yeah. Um, and it's not a magic trick. It's not a, like, it's not a genetic thing. It's, it's something you can practice. It's a, it's a, it's a skill you can develop essentially. Exactly. exactly. You can develop the skill of being a, a mindful, normal eater. Like that's a, it's possible for you, for you too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really it of being a normal, of a normal eater. Um, and that there's a lot of joy. My, my quality of life has improved dramatically, um, since becoming a normal eater. Who knew? Who knew? Amazing. <laughs> well, Anne, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story. Thank you, Daria. 
Thanks for listening to the Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose. And if you're interested in upgrading your own health style, learning how to get healthy and lose weight without dieting and without all of the suffering that it brings, then head over to my website, Summer Tomato, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get a free starter kit that'll teach you the basics of how to start changing the way you think about food, health, and weight loss. You'll also get a free chapter from my book, Foodist, called The Myth of Willpower that explains the science behind why the no pain, no gain mantra of the weight loss industry is the absolute worst approach to getting healthy. So come over to Summer Tomato and sign up. We have a fantastic community and we would love, love, love to have you. Thanks for listening and I will see you next time.